Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferris 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. Ferris 64 is, of course, the video game podcast about news, occurrences, first impressions, what's coming soon, new releases, and all that good stuff. It's your one-stop shop for video game everything that's right this time around we got a bloated episode today folks lots of stuff happened this week a good amount of games came out we actually finally finished a game on stream after what seems like forever oh my gosh so uh let's just get into it folks let's just let's just let's just dive right in and start off with what have i been playing this past week All right, to start it off, we got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the video game. Are you scared? You should be. Uh, so this game, um, I was going to skip it, but then I remembered, oh my gosh, it's on Xbox Game Pass. I have a brand new computer. Let's boot it up on the uh, the Xbox app for PC, you know? And, wow, I gotta say, for uh, for a game that's like uh, one of those, you know, Dead by Daylight type games, I mean, you know, <laughs> right now it's a bit easy. <laughs> I remember playing Dead by Daylight and, you know, it's 1v4, so obviously things are slanted in the direction of the killer, right? The the ghoul that's running around trying to stop the survivors from escaping. And you kind of get the same thing here, but it's definitely more equalized in the in a way so there's three killers running around and there's four survivors who need to escape so things are like much more evenly matched i would say in a lot of ways um not only are there plenty of places for survivors to hide and sneak around and stuff like that there's plenty of stuff for you to find uh unlock doors stuff like that so um the survivor side of things it's pretty fun. I mean, you know, I'm not a huge fan of these multiplayer horror games like this. You know, like I said before, I I, I played Dead by Daylight a bit. I wasn't I wasn't too into it. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before. Uh, we also did a deep dive on the game with Player Two P Two back in the day. Uh, if you listen to the Spotify version, you can backtrack to that. I think that was a couple years ago at this point. And I know a lot of people have fallen out of love with Dead by Daylight. Um, if I don't recall. I think they're starting to get back into people's good graces, but I think there was a while there where people were kind of upset about the game. Uh, and people were actually really enjoying that Friday the 13th game who were still playing it, I suppose. Um, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is made by the same people, I believe, but they promised in a statement that um, the same thing would not happen to Texas Chainsaw Massacre where the game would be shut down a couple years after its launch. Uh, they promised it. Um, apparently the IP for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre might be a bit um, less money <laughs> to maintain than Friday the 13th, so that would be good uh, for the for the team there. So let's let's get into it. Uh, so I I've only played Survivors at this point. I know how the villains work. 
Uh, I know all the different villains and what, you know, the different strengths and weaknesses because there's a lot of information in this game. Uh, not a lot of tutorials. A lot of the tutorials are basically just videos that you watch and listen to what the guy has to say, and that's it. There's no actual, like, you know, AI-controlled chainsaw guy, you know, running around, a leather face running around, and you have to, you know, do tutorial missions to get away from him. There's nothing like that. It's just tutorial messages and... Uh, videos for you to watch, which at first I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of annoying. But now that I think about it, it actually was pretty effective because I get I, after watching just the first video for both the survivors and the killers, I, I understand the game completely. Now, it's not that difficult to understand, of course, because it is just a simple find the tools you need to escape and escape type game. Uh, but there's 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 a bit more going on than you might expect. So from the survivor perspective, I know I said that earlier and I went off on a different tangent. From the pers survivor perspective, you start up tied up in the basement of whatever place you're at, whether it be the gas station, the house. I think there's one other place that I haven't played yet. Um, just for the record, before I really get into it, I've played three matches. I've survived all three matches. How that's happened has been a bit wonky, so let me explain that later. But uh, just for now... You know, as a survivor, you start in the tied up in the basement, you gotta escape. And the first thing you notice is the more you try to escape, the more like you can tap E and you can hold down E. There's a sound meter on the side of all of your little I they're not quick time events, but they're you know, you hold down E or you tap E to go faster. And the faster you go and the longer you rummage, uh, the more likely that you'll make a noise. So you wanna keep the sound meter low or not making sound because that'll alert the family the killers as to where you are you know so that's one part of the game that i thought was actually pretty well done you know it makes it it makes it so that you can't just you know quickly rush through scavenging and stuff like that there's a penalty to making noise in this game which in dead by daylight yeah there's penalties in that game too you know obviously you know missing your quick time events or running around causes like the scratches to appear on the wall and stuff like that the, the same thing is not in this game obviously you make more noise when you're with other survivors they'll talk to each other a little bit which can be which can actually be heard by the killers if they're nearby um you know there's you know just just you know, general things like that, you know, chickens and coops, they'll, they'll start, you know, cacawing as you walk by. So you can actually find, like, bone shards and kill them, but it still makes noise. It still makes noise to kill them. You know, there's these bone noisemakers everywhere you can cut down with bone shards as well. And obviously you have a finite amount of resources, so if you use a lockpick or a tool at one door, the next door you get to, you'll have to find another one for, or, you know, whatever. So the survivor's main goal, of course, big, wow, big, big, crazy spoiler right here. The goal is to escape. <laughs> okay, the goal is to escape the clutches of the killers. Now, there are a few different ways that you can do that. There's a basic way, which is literally just run out the front door, you know, the front exit or the back exit. Um, but the thing is that, the, is that there's two or three layers to most of these maps. So you start in the basement, you unlock the basement door, Teams are kind of separated at the beginning on the right and left side of the of, of the of the basement of whatever facility you're in. I'm going to use the house as an example. So, you know, you can be on the east side of the house or the west side of the house. There's two, two people on each side. You can work together with them or you can go off and do your own thing. There's plenty of different ways for these survivors to kind of sneak around, go around, you know, 
uh, squeeze through crevices, uh, you know, open vents and go through the vents. Um, you know, I already talked about cutting down noisemakers and picking up shivs and taking healing items. You got to take healing items because in this game, your health constantly drains. So instead of it being like Dead by Daylight where you get hit twice and you're out, um, in this game, it's, it's, a, it's a health system for your character. So essentially, um, the longer you stay alive in the game, the more likely you're going to bleed out. So you got to take, you know, healing items and stuff like that to keep alive throughout your stay at the house or wherever you are. <laughs> so with the house, you, you exit the basement, you go upstairs, and you're essentially just in this wider open area. You know, you're kind of partly outside, but you can still rummage around through the house, and there's like a shed, and um, a, there's a, like a barn. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm listening to a song on my head, so, headset, which I usually do while recording these. And it sounded like me talking for a second. <laughs> it was, I thought, I thought I had accidentally had something else go. I don't know what happened. But anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So there's like a barn, there's a shed, whatever, you know. In this area, there's usually these special ways to get out. And then, of course, there's a th third area. There's a wider area with much more cover and much more ground to go along um, that has the quickest ways, or not the quickest, but, but, but you know the, the, the ways that don't require anything super special. You just got to unlock the doors and leave, right, or run away. So in the basement, there's really no way to escape, you know, fully from the basement. So you can only escape the basement, and then when you get to that first area up upstairs, um, there's... A valve, in, I don't know if this is all the maps, but I'm pretty sure it's most uh, all the maps. There's a valve that you can turn that will release pressure and open up a gate after a, a couple, uh, about a minute, right? It'll open the gate, and then the gate will close back up when the pressure's been re-stabilized, right? That's one way to escape. The other way to escape is to put a fuse inside the fuse box and open up the uh, a door and leave through... Um, the door in the there's actually a door in the basement you need to put a fuse in up top and then go back into the basement and leave through the door in the basement the nice thing is, is there's wells around the area that you can actually drop down and drop all the way through and be back in the basement right away so you don't have to go climb down ladders and open doors again um on top of that uh you know, there's multiple ways for the villains to kind of stop, stall and stop the survivors from doing their things. You know, there's barricades everywhere and crevices to crawl through and stuff like that. Um, if you're a, if you're a killer, you can actually block and close those things up, make it a bit more difficult for uh, survivors to elude you. Um, the one thing that I have noticed is that like standing still in grass is pretty much the way to go if you're looking to get around most uh, villains, even though there are dressed like you can open up dressers and hide in those you can open up uh meat lockers um fridges you know those those lane fridges like you see in the movie um those things are in the game too and you can hide in them uh but you know obviously just like dead by daylight you know the villain could come around and open that and you know take you for some damage um, which gives you a chance to run away uh every time a villain damages you they can take your blood to grandpa who you know, like just like the movie, you know, he 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 loves blood, you know. Um, and essentially, when he yells, he can do like once you bring him blood, he can yell, and he will. Uh, anyone who's currently moving on the map will be shown. And the game does warn you, and then when he starts yelling, you have to wait until the music dies down and, and stops before he can start moving again, or else you're going to be seen on the map 
uh, or uh, in their vision, I should say, which is a, a kind of a cool concept. It does help the villains a, a lot, a lot, you know, it, it helps them. But, you know, I've been pretty good with just kind of stopping whatever I'm doing and just standing still, you know. It's not too too difficult right now. But, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the, the survivors, you know, once you exhaust all your options in that second area, you know, that's when you can start finding more tools to unlock the gate for the third area, and then you can pretty much just either run out the front or the back gate, essentially. Kind of like in the movie, there's this long path that goes to the road, and that's like how you escape there. In the back, you know, you open up the back door, you just kind of run into the, some cornfields or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, right now I've played the house and I've played the gas station. I think there's a third map, but I'm not sure. There's a night and day version of both of them. Each of them, I mean, I would say, like, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre does a great job of, like, really showing, like, that horror. You know, like, the girls running away from Leatherface for what seems like forever, just screaming and stuff like that. And the nighttime stuff is pretty pretty thrilling and intense. But the daytime stuff is, you know, during the day is actually when most of the horror elements of, like, killing and stuff like that happens. And even in even in the video game version, like, the, the daytime stuff is actually a much more creepier, in my opinion, than the nighttime stuff. It gives you a better, like, you know, a better vision line for the for the villains, you know. Um, just the, the way that shadows cast and stuff like that and how the houses and buildings look, they're all run down and ragged. And it's a really good, like they've done a great job at emulating that Texas Chainsaw Massacre grit, you know, even when the game boots up and you start playing for the first time, there's this, you know, almost Star Wars-esque text scroll going up along the screen and the narrator's doing a great job of, he sounds like an oldie timey radio announcer, um, not like super like, I'm you know, it's, it's just a, it sounds like a Twilight Zone episode almost. And the text is like, you know, in this really like kind of gritty kind of looking text, it kind of shifts every so often, like the old film grain, you know, they've done a great job of really getting the aesthetic of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, I've, I've seen the first movie. I haven't seen the second one. So I know there's some characters from the second one that I don't know. Um, but that first movie is, is a very visceral and tough experience. Um, uh, throughout the whole thing and even the ending of the movie really isn't too satisfying because obviously you know even though the main character gets away spoiler alert for a 50 something year old movie um you know all the whole the family is still there you know i think i think only the hitchhiker character dies in the first chainsaw movie everyone else is kind of like oh ho, ho, we're gonna get you you know um so, yeah, I mean, they've done a great job with, with all that. You know, the graphics look great in the game. I think they've done a great job with that. Definitely looks better than Friday the 13th. I think this game plays a lot better than Friday the 13th, even though I had limited playtime with that game in general. I feel like the objectives and how to win in the game is much more clear, and it's laid out in a way that makes sense to even players like me who don't really play games like this, you know? It lays it out very plain and simple. Find things to escape. Use those tools and leave, you know? And for the killers, it's, you know, obviously it's all about, you know, taking, you know, finding first and then taking out the survivors in order for them not to escape. And then you feed the blood to grandpa and you level him up and stuff like that. And as the game goes on, you know, grandpa will start to yell more and more often. And then eventually he'll just, I guess he'll just yell so loud that no matter what you're doing, you can get caught, which is actually how my last game ended. But 
Even though Grandpa was screaming at the top of his lungs and I was visible, I had actually opened the way for the other, for two other people to escape before that, but I accidentally fell down the well because I didn't know what I was doing, right? So I turned the valve for the pressure thing. It released the pressure. The other two people ran the way that you were supposed to go to the pressure door, and I was like, I don't know where I'm going. Maybe the it's down this, you know, maybe I need to go into this well. I don't know why I thought that. I fell to the basement. I had to work my way back up. I was the last person alive. And I was just being very cautious because I didn't know exactly where the uh, the villains were. Now, when they get close to you, you know, your screen will start to, like, turn a little bit yellow on the sides. And then as they get closer and closer, it turns more red and starts to shake a little bit. You know, the sounds of the villains coming towards you are very, you know, frightening at times. You know, the, the, obviously Leatherface has, all, is constantly just has the chainsaw kind of like, bah, 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 you know, just on, you know, running around. Um, there's other villains as well, like the cook who... Doesn't really make too much noise. You know, he's the guy at the gas station who, uh, I, I guess he, he's, he's a part of the family. <laughs> Makes a little bit of money on the side. The hitchhiker, he's also another, like, stealthy character. He doesn't make a lot of noise. Um, and he can also, like, one-hit kill you. But it's it's a more difficult for him to do that, I guess. And you can also, like, kind of weasel your way out of his grab moves. Uh, there's this girl, Sissy. She, like, can, like, shoot bile or something? I'm not exactly sure. I think she has, like, poison. She can poison objects and stuff like that. Um, but she's also very low danger, um, doesn't do a lot. She does, like, t chip damage to the player. And then the last guy is Johnny, um, who's, like, a very aggressive and tough character, but he's slow, you know. Um, so, you know, there's there's a good... And, and of course, there's Leatherface, of course, who... He's, he's fast and brutal, but, um, you know, when he's not doing his chainsaw attack, he's kind of slow and lumbering and stuff like that. So yeah, when I was playing the game last, you know, I, I I essentially escaped all three of my times. The first time was a fluke, I will say that. Everyone disconnected from the game. All three of my friends who were a part of the survivor group died and they quit. And then all three of the villains, as they couldn't find me, and apparently they didn't know how to level up Grandpa, it just left the game. Bef as, uh, I, was, I, was, um, I was pretty close to figuring out how to escape, but... Um, they left the game, so I immediate. I just, I just ended up winning. Um, the second time around, uh, I, you know, more people were more active, but I was once again like the last person alive in the group. But this time, the villains weren't leaving. But I ended up uh, escaping out the front gate while they were all searching around in the basement. They didn't seem to know that they could leave the basement, so I was like, okay, I'll just walk out the front then, you know. And then the third game and final game that I played, uh, I. You know, once again, I think I already talked about it a little bit. I did the pressure valve, but I fell into the well because I didn't know what I was doing. So I had to work my way all the way back up. And by that time, they had leveled up Grandpa so much that he was screaming so furiously that everyone could see me on the map, even if I was standing still. So what I did is uh, I waited for the next... Uh, I waited for the iteration of Grandpa to kind of stop because he does stop still at the end point. Um, and then as soon as he was going to start yelling again and someone actually saw me... Uh, just a seconds before it happened. Um, so what I did is I got up and I just sprinted to the exit as the pressure door was open. So there was a guy playing Johnny who hit me once, but it, I was at full health at the time. I, I healed myself. And the uh, Leatherface was standing there by the gate that was open, ready, just kind of standing there waiting for someone to charge at him, I guess. But I was able to slip around his like left side after Johnny hit me. And he started like revving up his stuff when Johnny hit me. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to die. But, you know, you, you hold down, like, or you, like, tap or hold down space bar, the sprint fully. 
And, uh, I, yeah, as he was trying to rev up his chainsaw, I just ran out the door. And the th nice thing about this game is there's not really, you know, you know how in the movie there's that long pathway. You just have to kind of get through the door and then you're done, right? The pathway leading up is supposed to be the hard part. Um, but that is the fastest way out. It takes the most work, but it's the fastest way out. So that's why you get, you get there and the game ends, right? So I was able to escape with two other people eventually. And the villains just sat there looking stupid. And like I said, like, you know... I don't know if it's just been flukes that I've won these three times. Obviously, the first one definitely was. But it's one of those games I haven't really found too difficult. And, and it's a lot of repetition, right? Can I mark this game as complete because I escaped? <laughs> is, is that technically completing the game? Let me ask Let me ask Callus. Callus, uh, is completing the game technically just running away because it's one of those games that never ends? <laughs> I successfully escaped. Maybe I should win as a villain, too. We need to win as a villain and escape as a survivor. So I'm halfway there, essentially. It does seem it does seem more difficult to be a villain, simply because, you know, you could have those... You can have those escapes covered, but if, you know, if someone gets past that point of no return, it's like they're they're done. You know, you they could can, they can just walk right through you, you know? So it's, it's kind of... It's kind of slated towards the survivors a bit, but... You know, I think that in general, you know, when there's a villain around and or a family member, I, sh I guess I should call it, but I'll keep calling him villain since I've been saying that this entire time. You know, there is that intensity. You know, there's that intensity uh, with the with the music going and they're you know talking or the the sound of the chainsaw is going by you. That is intense, and I I think that they nailed the aesthetics of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I think that. You know, even though you don't have to work with other people, I think it's nice that they give you the option of working with someone or not. And actually, you can be a solo survivor and still rescue everyone by opening up the quickest way out. You know, that's what I did, you know, on accident. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so far, it's it, it's a, it's still fun, but I'm it's not going to be a game that I go back to. I don't. I mean, I'm, I'll probably go back to it a couple times, but I don't think it's gonna, a game that I'm, like, going to be, like, super hyped about at the end of the year or anything like that, unless I do something completely you know that that completely turns the my tide i i think that in general it's a good you know kind of dead by daylight experience is it better than dead by daylight that is up to you to decide to me personally it does in my opinion it's a bit it, i think it is better i think it does a lot of things better than dead by daylight and friday the 13th of course i didn't play those games enough to like really give a solid answer to you but just from my experience i'm more willing to go back to the texas chainsaw massacre than i would be to friday the 13th if it was still available or dead by daylight which is available but i haven't played in years because i didn't really like the gameplay loop at least in this one it's intense enough and the aesthetics are good enough that I feel like, yeah, I could probably go back and I could probably have a lot of fun with this. Um, but the other thing is, like, yeah, it's a lot of repetition. I kind of did the same thing all three times that I played. Um, you know, all three rounds I played, I should say. And, it, you know, just it just it already was starting to kind of be like, rep, you know, repetition on top of repetition. Like, I escaped all three times. I started off kind of a, the same way by opening up a shortcut and then finding a tool to unlock the door, unlocking the door, hiding from the villain for a little bit, going up the staircase and going to the second area and either going to the third area or escaping through the secondary. So it's one of those things that it's just it's a bit repetition, you know, a bit too much of repetition for me to really fully commit myself to the game. But for what it's worth, I think that they did a great job with it, and I think that this could definitely, you know, especially with it being on Xbox Game Pass, that you know, there there could be a lot of 
fun times and, and a lot of people really enjoying this game. So if you want to check it out, it is on Game Pass. Um, I played it on PC, so I don't know how it runs on Xbox Series S or X. Um, but it ran really great. It ran great on uh, my computer. You know, the wait times to get into lobbies wasn't too bad. I know there were some people complaining about that, I think, on day one. But uh, yeah, they seem to have smoothed that out already. Um, the only thing that I kind of was like kind of like iffy about was how long it takes you to get into a game once you're in a lobby because the timer is like five minutes and it goes down really slow if only you and a couple other people are ready as until seven out of or I'm sorry until there's seven people ready out of like eight or nine nine no eight no seven out of seven. Yeah, so until seven out of seven people are ready to go, the timer will kind of count down pretty slowly. And it, it, it's a bit taxing to just kind of sit there and stare at your character for five minutes, especially because when you start off, you don't really have anything to do. You, 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 your loadouts are locked. Your character stats are locked. Your you know, your cosmetics are pretty much locked, you know? So it's like, it's, it's just a, it's a bit of a long wait for you know, uh, for the game. But once you get into the game, as long as things don't go completely sideways right away, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty decent, decently long match, you know, and, and if you do get taken out early or if you do escape early, if you, if you, uh, you can actually leave the game, the game lets you leave and keep your XP. So you don't have to wait around for other people to finish their runs. You could just get out of there, you know, which, which is cool. So, all in all, it does get a thumbs up for me, especially in the vibes category. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to really want to come back to this game once I check out the villain side of things, you know. And even then, you know, if I do it somehow or maybe love it, I don't, I don't know how much I would play this game down the road. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Next up on my list is Bomb Rush Cyber Funk. Uh, I was not planning on getting this game because I'm not a big fan of Jet Set Radio. Um, when we played that back in the day on stream, I was kind of I was I was just very iffy on the game. I I was not really that into it. I thought the controls were kind of wonky, and I just didn't really like the tight feeling of the levels. Bomb Rush Cyberfunk is of course a spiritual successor to. Um, st uh, uh, Holy shit, I am blanking right now. Is a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio. <laughs> um, but it improves vastly on the original's concept. It uses that same gameplay, or I'm sorry, graphic aesthetic, which is really, uh, really nice. I really enjoy that. Um, but it opens up these levels. It makes it a bit more of an open world, I would say. And it gives you more freedom to kind of run around, do whatever you want, and then tackle missions and stuff like that. Um, so it starts off, you play as this guy who is in prison, and he, he and he escapes with this other dude who runs the bomb rush crew. And essentially, you get you know you you join forces and escape the prison. And on, as you escape, your head gets lopped off by this DJ guy, and your head gets replaced by. A robot head and essentially the rest of the right now the game is trying to get your head back in order to do that you need to go all city in each of the area uh, so which means beating all the different crews in each of the different areas and i believe there's five areas to go to i am on the third one right now 
And it has just been a delightful game. Like, you start off with skateboarding, and so far, even though it's a bit basic at times, it's been a really, really good, good experience. Like, not only do they nail the vibes and aesthetic of the game, they, they nailed the gameplay itself, unlocking all the different, like, costumes, uh, skateboard decks, um... You know, there's also uh, the different things you can graffiti onto the walls. You know, finding all that stuff is really fun. And doing the little combos to actually paint the stuff is also a lot of fun, too, which I know was in the original game, too. So if you do a certain pattern on, on your, with you know, w w on the screen, you'll do different graphics. And you can do the same graphic all around if you want to or, or not. It's up to you. And every time you graffiti a spot or graffiti over someone else's tag, you get rep. And the more rep you have... Um, the more likely the police are going to come out, one. And two, the more you know, you'll be able to challenge the other crew to a turf war, and then you have to beat them in, in several challenges um, and then f do the final challenge, which is getting more combo score than them. And then you can take over their area, which is, I mean, you know, the combo stuff is actually kind of weird. So unlike Tony Hawk Pro Skater, when you do flip tricks and stuff like that, it doesn't add to your multiplier. It adds to your main score, but your multiplier only goes up when you change uh, from like a manual to a grind, or a grind to a wall run, or you know when you're grinding, you can actually lean into turns, and that'll actually up your uh, up your multiplier as well as you go through that. So it's all about getting that multiplier up. Uh, as high as you can, and then landing the trick or combo. The nice thing is you can't bail in the game. You know, you can get knocked off and stuff like that from bosses and stuff like that. But you can't, like, drop a combo by, you know, accidentally doing a kickflip an inch from the ground, right? Which is nice. You know, it takes away some of that, um, uh, some of that, uh, you know, worry from Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And, and yeah, so far, I mean, I love I love how each of the areas are set up so far. You know, there's like these little guys with big hands that you got to slap in one combo. And they can get kind of tough, you know, to, to combo all the way through them. Obviously, there's a lot of graffiti points to go to, hidden all over the map. Um, and there's like these dance pad places where you can switch characters. So there's three people in your crew at, at the start. And you can switch between them and they all have different, you know, the one the one person does uh, rollerblading, the other guy does bicycling, and then your guy does uh, red is his name. He does skateboarding. I've been mostly doing skateboarding. I, I feel like it's the it's like really just fun. You know, I'll probably switch to the other characters eventually, but as of right now, I'm just having too much fun using the skateboard. Now, obviously, all of them kind of work the same, so it doesn't even really matter. You know, uh, that you have a skateboard versus a bicycle or versus a skate uh skates so it's not really that big of a deal but you, there are certain missions you have to do with certain characters so that's the you know main reason for switching things around um you know just just like in jet set radio you get you have to run around and collect boost and you have to collect paint um but yeah on top of that you also collect new designs for your skateboard new outfits um and uh music you can actually find music around as well one of the other cool things about this game is if you press left on or right on your D-pad, 
it brings up your phone, and there's this little image, kind of like GTA, that of your phone in the corner that pops up, and then your character itself is actually on his phone or their phone uh, while you're messing around with it. And y- you can still play the game fully while your phone is out, which is really cool. I love that. <laughs> so, you know, you can be scrolling through music. You know, you can open up your camera and take pictures, selfies, and stuff like that while you're r- riding, riding around. Um, you can look at your map in the corner of the screen with the when the phone's up. It tells you where the next point of interest is. Um, you know, all sorts of things can be done in there. Switching music and stuff like that. So it's really cool. I love that so much. I love I love that aesthetic having the phone pop up, and you can actually diddly daddly on the phone while also still playing the game like normal. I think that's just uh, incredibly really incredible. I, I love that. You know, very GTA esque, but um, a little bit more condensed. You know, you don't have to. You, it's all it's all with the D-pad. The phone is pretty much completely controlled by the D-pad. There's been a couple of boss fights that I've done. You know, the combat is pretty simple. You know, it's pretty much just like press X, Y, or B to do different attacks, you know. And the bosses are kind of simple, too. The, one of the first major bosses, like, shoots these chains at you that latch onto you and slow you down, which is kind of cool. You know, you have to, like, combo and stuff like that to get out of the chains, which is fun. Uh, and then you also had, like, spray paint over their windows so that they had to come out and fight you mano a mano, which I like. I like that. Um, I also really enjoyed, um, you know, the, 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 that first boss fight, I guess I would say. I enjoyed, I enjoyed how that worked. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I just thought it was just a fun time so far. Like, I mean, I've played a, a fair amount of it compared to Jet Set Radio, which I had, like, maybe an hour in. Um, this newest game I have about three hours in so far, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably less than halfway through, of course. But there's some sections that are just really, like, visually spectacular. There's some areas of the map that I really love just looking at. You know, the skyscrapers and sci-fi aesthetics everywhere. There's an area with a beach that's, all like, really fun to just skate around at. There's, like, this dream sequence that happened early on, which reminded me of Psychonauts 2, that I really, I, I love the visual aesthetic so much that I screenshotted it on Steam. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's been one of those games that is surprising. And it was a, it was literally just like a whim. You know, I was, I was reading through some reviews and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll try it out. And I did. And I'm very happy to say that it has delivered. Bomb Rush Cyberfunk has completely delivered. It's available on Steam. I think it's available on all platforms. I know it was heavily uh, billed as a Switch game, but I believe it's on all platforms, or maybe just Switch and Steam. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I really, really have been enjoying it. The, the soundtrack is great, maybe a bit annoying at times, especially, like, there's this one song that's that keeps repeating over and over again at, at some parts that's like, I got my hair gun. I got my nails done. I got my hair cut. I got my nail, and I just like, please stop. And I usually switch at that point. Um, the songs go on a loop, and they're like five to ten minute tracks too. So sometimes they go on a loop, and they're kind of like, they get a little bit annoying, uh, which is nice that you can just switch songs at any time with your phone, at least you know. So, so far, uh. Yeah, a complete recommend for me, especially if you enjoyed Jet Set Radio, or maybe if you didn't enjoy Jet Set Radio, you might actually enjoy this one, like me. I I, I was very surprised. I, I really don't have anything negative to say at all. Like, the only negative I had was that the songs are kind of like annoying at times, but other than that, the soundtrack's great. 
The the vibes are immaculate. The areas you go to are fun. The open world is great. All the different things you can do and find, fantastic. Um, you know, character interactions and stuff like that, fun. You know, I love the graphics and I love the like the characters themselves, the design of the characters. I think that this is a, a pretty pretty darn good game. So if you want to check it out, I would recommend doing that. Uh, I don't know if there's a demo available or anything like that, but it is like a twenty dollar game. You know, if you if if you're if you're nervous about buying it, ah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just take my word for it. I'm I'm sure that you'll have a good time. If not, uh, send it to my uh, send the bill to uh, um, Gabe <laughs> Gabe uh, at Steam. <laughs> you can always refund purchases within like the first couple of days on Steam that you've played it. Um, so if you don't like it, then just refund it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, so far Bomber Server Fun, great. Two thumbs up. Very fun. Definitely a game that I'm going to play till completion. Boom. Next up, we're talking about On Guard, which is a game that I I think was shown off during an indie direct or something like that, and it really caught my eye personally, and I'm sure a lot of people's eyes. And then there was a demo release, which I didn't play, but one of my favorite YouTubers, Iron Pineapple, played the game for his Steam... Uh, I'm sorry, like Souls-like games showcases or whatever you want to say he, he does dumpster diving for games that are uh, in the souls like category and this game even though it's not exactly like a souls like a game it is very challenging at times um even though there's no like bonfire system or healing system it's a very linear kind of level based game um uh, the game is a tough game at times so what is on guard so essentially you are this very gifted swordswoman who you know she's a bit of a rebel rouser you know uh the the area that you are in i believe you're in italy i believe or spain i forget which one i know they're completely different but um i believe i, I believe that it is three musketeers like which is Italian, <laughs> I think. It doesn't matter. Very, uh, so you, you wake up and you kind of get, you, you kind of get used to the combat by doing some tutorials with the masked vigilante. And essentially, uh, the game just kind of ups the ante every single t chance it gets. Uh, from combat encounter to combat encounter to boss fights and, and everything in between. There's platforming in there as well that you have to do and new moves to unlock, special moves to get all the good stuff that you may expect. One of the things I really love about the game is the graphical aesthetics. I think we've had three games that completely nail the aesthetics and the vibe that they're trying to go for. And, you know, contrary to Bomb Rush Cyberfunk and uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this one's going for more of like that watercolor, very colorish experience, kind of like, kind of like Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, except not as cartoony as Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. It's much more water paint, you know, just very vibrant and bright colors, kind of like a cel-shaded environment and some watercolor painting background, stuff like that. And, you know, essentially the, the beginning of the game has you kind of just learning the basics and they keep adding in these new environmental elements for you to, to work with. One of the big things about the game is actually using the environment to your advantage. So you can kick barrels and boxes into enemies to stun them. Uh, you can knock them downstairs. 
You can put pots on their heads. You can throw bombs into fire pits. You can actually light cannons to make them go off and knock into and you know knock into enemies and blast enemies away. Um, you can knock enemies into like very oddly placed vases that are like perched on things that then will fall down and, and instant instant knock them out. You can kick them into weapon racks that instantly knocks them out. Um, there's a whole like parry and dodge system to the game as well. It's a very fast paced and intuitive game. So far, the only thing that I have to say is because it's a third-person action game th that has auto-lock-on, it's just kind of annoying when you're going against groups of enemies, especially when you have one in particular that you want to target. It's Even though you can switch targets with a joystick, it's still kind of annoying to fight groups of enemies, which is the bulk of this game. I'm not saying that it breaks the game in any way, that the game it completely falls flat because of this. It is a minor nuisance that gets in the way sometimes, but when it does get in the way, it does make me a bit frustrated, especially when you're doing like a boss fight, when the boss is in like low health and you keep targeting the wrong you know, dude to kick or to slice. It, it can sometimes get a bit annoying. Much like Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice... Uh, this game features a posture system, so you have to you know to whittle away their po you know their posture in order to actually get hits in. Most enemies have one or two hit points, while bosses have like four or five at this point. So it's it's one of those things that's it's kind of similar to other games, uh, but it also has its own little tricks and flashiness to to it. So it's not a complete ripoff of Sekiro or anything else. It's it kind of does its own thing at, uh, for the majority of the time. And the platforming is pretty smooth. I haven't I haven't had any problems with that. You know, ever, like there, occasionally in Bomb Rush Cyberpunk, it's kind of awkward to kind of do wall run to wall run, right? And on guard, everything's kind of set up in a way that like you don't really need to think about it. You can just kind of jump onto something, and she'll automatically, I don't know, slide across a table or uh, glide, you know, uh, swing across a rope or something like that. You know, you don't have to press certain button combinations, right? Um, and, and on guard, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the main crux of the game is just that fleshed out combat system, which just keeps adding new things as you go along. And I'm really interested in seeing where this game is going to go. You know, right now it seems like it's kind of reached that, that part, like that thing where it's like, yeah, I've kind of seen, I think everything the game has to offer. Uh, but I still am very much interested in running through the rest of on guard it's been very fun. If you want like a very sandbox environment kind of fighting style, uh, this is kind of—I mean, this is essentially Puss in Boots, but instead of being a cat, you're you know a female vigilante, right? It is literally like you're fighting with a rapier. You are knocking things into people, knocking them out. There's plenty of funny quips and stuff like that to go along with it. Uh, when enemies are defeated, sometimes they'll mumble things like "Oh, good game," you know, or something like that. Or you know, the one guy's like. Uh, pretend that you're knocked out and sh maybe she'll leave, you know, stuff like that. So it's very, it's very Puss in Boots-esque. And I'm wondering if, uh, I'm wondering if this like started out as like, Hey, let's, I love that Puss in Boots, uh, character. I, I let's make a game based on, I don't know, probably not. It's just, just speculation, but it would be fun if, uh, if, if, you know, DreamWorks actually picked this game up and was like, Hey, can we do Puss in Boots next? You know, cause the only Puss in Boots game I know of is the one that's on the Wii. And that's kind of like, well, <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like a meme, but he was also in the Shrek the Third and Shrek 
two game. So, you know, he's had some limelight, but nothing like this, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really am enjoying it. I love the graphical style. I think the soundtrack is great. Very fun orchestral score. And it's been a fun and funny game. You know, well, a few frustrations here or there, but for the most part, On Guard has been exceeding my expectations. And I'm excited to see what else there is to do in the game um, as I play through more of it. So, On Guard. Check that out if you want to. There is a demo available for that one, I know for sure. All right. Before we move on, Remnant 2. I got some I got some bones to pick with you, Remnant 2. Uh, we finally finished Remnant 2 this past weekend and or well this past week, I should say. And I am I'm torn because I was so excited and I was so ready for this game and I was ha I'm like for the most part I had a good time with it, really. I mean we went through both of our campaigns that were two pretty decently different campaigns in terms of, you know, the story elements and the characters you met and what you need to do in them. Uh, the areas you went to were relatively the same, so, you know, you'll, you get the same environments. It's just sometimes the story paths are a little bit different. And there's two general seedings for this game with a bunch of different sub-seedings with dungeons and stuff like that. So, you know, you might get a few of the same story beats in your playthroughs if you're doing multiple playthroughs. <clears throat> I, I like a lot of what this game does. You know, I've always enjoyed how from, you know, uh, Remnant from Ashes had the two different seedings for the game. This game, same thing. I like how there's two different seedings. You know, you can get them randomly, which is great. I love that. I love finding the new bosses, and I love, you know, finding the new areas and going to areas that I've been to already and, in a different person's game and, and, and essentially... <laughs> you know, having a whole new experience in them. I love that. And I think the gunplay in general is good. I, I feel like there's a good selection of weapons to start off with, and then there's some that you can just, you know, come across throughout the can throughout the world, or you can craft them from the bosses you've slain. Same thing with melee weapons. Not only there's guns with the melee weapons, there's a good selection of those, all with their strengths and weaknesses. There's plenty of different classes to start out with, including uh, ones that you need to uh, find the relic for in order to start with that the next time you know so like the gunslinger the scavenger the the summoner they're all classes that you can start off with in a new game but you need to find the class and unlock them in the middle of your campaign i like that it gives the game a little bit of replay value there the part that i start to get wary about is just I don't think there's I, I, I even though there is replay value, I don't think that I wanna really replay this game right now. I feel like I've I feel like I've seen everything that the game has to offer. I've even gone back through and, and you know, just kinda checked some nooks and crannies for things that I might have missed and sure I did find the code for the safe that's in the starting in the ward thirteen. Sure, I did find a secret passage that led to a stash with a different gun and some armor, right? I, I found that stuff. But it's nothing that I would say that I really want to go back and experience again at this point. Like, would I enjoy playing through the game again? Sure, especially if I'm playing with someone else. But I found out yesterday, when I was just kind of messing around and tr and retreading some territory, that I really would not like to play this game solo. And I definitely would not like to start from square one again with this game. Um, so here's the other main thing that really was grinding my gears the bosses. I know people complained about Elden Ring and how, you know, aggressive the bosses are. My main complaint with Elden Ring was how the bosses just weren't 
there were just too many regular enemies skin reskinned as bosses or with health bars, right? That was my main issue with Elden Ring. Uh, and in, and in Remnant, I kind of have the opposite now. I love the variety of enemies, and even though there are some reskinned main enemy, you know, main main and you know regular enemies as bosses, sure. For the most part, there's a lot of unique boss fights, really ingenious boss fights in here. But the problem is the aggression of these bosses is is so high. You know, we were playing on the not survivor, but whatever was after that, whatever was above that difficulty. I think it was like veteran or something like that. It's it's the one that's like four players who played Remnant One, right? And and I mean these bosses were just so aggressive. They had these moves that were that had like stun locked you at times. They had one-hit kill moves. Like, even the most basic enemy in the game, or not the enemy, but basic boss in the game that we were fighting, had a move that was just like, wow, how are you supposed to escape this? How are you supposed to dodge this? Even though a lot of times, you know, you end up finding a way to get around it, because of the aggressiveness of the boss and how quickly they can change from one character to the next, just 360 you, it becomes really annoying, especially when the bosses are, like, flying or floating, and a melee class build, which was myself and Greedy had melee class builds most most of the way through this game. The fact that our abilities, like the dog and his really strong melee attacks, are completely nixed, they're axed from half of the boss fights in this game, is truly really frustrating. It really does feel like the developers are like, oh, you chose a melee build? Fuck you. <laughs> there's there's bosses that are, they stand on top of a building. Like, what are you supposed to do for that if you're a melee class, right? And they have t big health bars, you know? Or there's other bosses that kind of teleport around the field and they're on these little perches. You have another boss that's like a center boss. He's like in the middle of a, of, of a circular arena. Like, what are you supposed to do if you're a melee build and you, and you have a shotgun, you know? The final boss in the game is a completely floating boss. Then midway through the battle, he kind of gets closer to you, but it's still, for the most part, a boss that you cannot touch with your melee abilities. My dog has no effect. My summoned monster has no effect. Greedy's sword has no effect because it's constantly floating around and flying around. Two of the last bosses in the game, actually, were just floating bosses that you couldn't do anything about. Even though the, the, the first boss before the final boss was able to be hit with the shotgun and stuff like that. that the, the final boss, like, Greedy had to actually completely change part of his build in order to accommodate for the the boss that we were facing. And even though I feel like maybe the developers want you to do that, I think that's kind of a, a, a real backwards way of doing it. You know, you, you allow the player to choose this melee heavy build that has super good melee attacks that really melts away boss health bars. But then midway through the game, or even really early on in the game, they're like, oh yeah, fuck you. Um, this isn't going to work. You know, you're going to have to find another way to do this. You have to buy another gun. You have to, you know, find another class to use. In the end, I was okay because I was using an assault rifle and, you know, the dog's healing abilities helped me tank through some stuff. And then midway through the game, I found the marksman medal that allows me to have marksman skills. So that actually upped my ranged damage. So in the end, I was, I felt like I had a pretty good solid bat class build, but Greedy was kind of struggling there because, uh, you know, he had a shotgun that he leveled up all the way. You spent all those resources on the shotgun and your sword as a, as a close range class just to kind of be given the middle finger in the end of the game saying, haha, fuck you. You spent all this time and resources on upgrading your character for a melee and, sh and close range. Fuck you. Here's a bunch of bosses that you can't hit up close. And that just really rubs me the wrong way, honestly. And it, if, if it wasn't for the fact that 
I was playing with Greedy. I, I do feel like that I would have put this game down and, and probably not gotten back to it in a while. You know, I probably would have put it down and been like, okay, I'll get back to this, you know, kind of like I do for a lot of games. But, um, you know, I, like I said, it's not like I wasn't having fun, but there was just those times where, like, you go up against a boss and I just, you just get so frustrated because there just doesn't seem to be any leeway. There doesn't seem to be any reprieve for you to actually reload or get hits in or heal you know stuff like that and the same thing can be said for elden ring but the nice thing about elden ring is that you can have those summoned you ashes of war or whatever they're called i forget at this point because it's been a while since i played it that negate the dan that they take away some of the aggressiveness of the boss you know the boss goes and hits starts hitting you know the other enemy you know you don't have to worry about that um or your your summoned creature, you don't have to worry about that. And uh, every so often, a boss or an enemy would go after my dog. It's not that often though. And when I was kind of doing the summoner class and the handler class at a time, like I had both of them on the field, and it seemed like the bosses never even cared about either of them. So I just decided, like, okay, like this isn't gonna work, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I just I I want to say that I like the game. But I'm also not really going to give it that high of a score. Even though the score that I'm going to give it is an average score, I think that this game really could have been a lot better. Um, I, I, you know, after, you know, and, and plus, Remnant from Ashes, still one of my favorite Souls like games. I've replayed that game several times. The fact that I don't want to replay Remnant 2 unless, you know, I, I'm going to co op it or something like that really is a detrimental thing, you know? I've played Remnant from the Ashes a couple times now, solo and co-op, and I would like to go back and play that. I love I love replaying that game. Remnant 2, I don't know if I would want... I don't, I don't think I would want to go back and play this game solo, and if someone asked me to do it co-op, I'd probably be like, okay, but I would use my character that's already leveled up, honestly, because I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the end, uh, I'm gonna give it a three out of five, which is just kind of like average. You know, it's kind of right down the middle. I have a fair amount of criticisms for it, but I also had a lot of you know good things to say too at at some points. You know, in the end, I just I I'm kind of disappointed, and um, I wish that it had gone a different way because I was very excited for this game. I I feel like this year has kind of been like the year of uh, disappointing games right now. Like there's been a couple of releases that have just kind of been like. A really flat release, you know, uh, Redfall, uh, this game, Remnant 2, you know, there, there's been a couple games that, like, I've just kind of, like, been excited about or interested in, and they've just kind of fallen flat, and, and hopefully the second half of this year is going to pick things back up, uh, but so far, I mean, just, just you know, since, you know, last episode and, and behind that, there's only been, like, one game that I've truly, like, really, really enjoyed that I would say, like, oh, yeah, that's definitely top ten material, right? Other than that, it's kind of been, like, games that have been, like, oh, you know, it's good, but I'm disappointed about this, or I have a major criticism about that, you know? Compared Remnant 2 to uh, Jedi Survivor, you know, Jedi Survivor runs like crap, but at least it's an interesting and fun experience that's pretty well balanced and has some pretty good boss fights in there. Remnant 2 is below that, not not because of technical issues. I mean, there was some frame rate drops during cutscenes, which was really annoying, especially the final cutscene in the game was just completely chugging along. Uh, but, you know, not for technical reasons, but Remnant 2 is below Jedi Survivor simply because uh, of, of some of those core gameplay elements and how the game kind of just says F you to certain class builds. 
And uh, yeah, Jedi Survivor is not going to do that because there is only one class build, <laughs> you know. So at this point, I would definitely rather replay Jedi Survivor over Remnant 2 any day. Um, but I do want them to fix Jedi Survivor, you know. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why it's not super high on my list of Souls-like games. It's kind of just sitting right above the Fallen Order. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's uh, prequel. Or the game that came out first. Why I say prequel. Uh, but yeah, there's really only one game right now that I like have solidly on my top ten list. Uh, hopefully, after we start, I start playing more of these games that I talked about today. Maybe they'll end up there, you know. Uh, but I haven't really been genuinely extra, extra extraordinarily positive about most of the games that have come out this year. I would say really, Pizza Tower is the only one that I've been really happy with, and I gave a really high score too. So, you know, I, I guess take that with what you will. This year's kind of been like uh mid for games in my opinion. You know, even even games like Final Fantasy sixteen, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm really not interested in Baldur's Gate, even though I know it's like really big. You know, I wasn't interested in Hogwarts Legacy and people have seemed to have forgotten about that game by now already. I, you know, I wasn't interested in The Legend of Zelda. I feel like this year has just kind of not been the year for me personally yet. But with these games coming up in this next couple of months, I feel like my my uh, video game love will be reinvigorated, and hopefully, I'll be coming here talking about more positive experiences like the first three games that I that I reviewed today. And uh, I, this has been a really long segment, but I'm hope hopefully you've enjoyed it. We finally finished Gresh and Clank going Commando. It's on the same level as Tools of Destruction. I have a couple of criticisms, but for the most part, it was a really good time. Uh, it goes in the A tier. Going Commando is in the A tier. I thought it was a pretty good game overall. Uh, I think that they kind of fumbled the ending couple of levels. Uh, you know, there's there's one area that's like this frozen tundra, which was just super annoying with all these randomly spawning enemies. And then the final, like, boss fight was just kind of like, meh, you know? I'm used to Ratchet and Clank final bosses, like, taking me a couple of tries and getting a little bit frustrated with them. But there was nothing that really frustrated, frustrated me in this game. I, I kind of smoothly went through everything, which is good, too. You know, there's a good side to that. There's a good spin to that. And I, I did enjoy... All of the weapons, except for the spider drone, I felt like that one was kind of useless. But everything else was really useful in the game, which is kind of rare for a Ratchet and Clank game. Usually you get, a, like, a shotgun or a rocket launcher that just is not worth it to use, right? Uh, but in this game, yeah, every single weapon was pretty, pretty viable. Um, I, I never got to get the ultimate weapon, which was a million and five hundred bolts. I didn't end up getting that one. I'm sure it would have been fine, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, other than that, um, really enjoyable game. Some really fun concepts in there. Um, definitely, you know, started, felt more like a modern Ratchet and Clank than the first game did, of course. Uh, but you have to start somewhere, and and uh, Going Commando is probably one of those, you know, one of the one of those kind of like, you know, it's probably on the list of like best sequels ever, right? It's, it's up there, and uh, I'm interested to see how they how Ratchet and Clank three goes. Um, I'm very interested in, in that. Um, but who knows when we'll play that? Uh, probably, probably be a little bit before we play another Ratchet and Clank game. I like to kind of space games in a series out, so we'll see when the when the next one of those gets played. Uh, but as of right now, it's definitely one of my favorites. I think it's right below Tools of Destruction. Um, so take that, you know, do, do whatever you want with that. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the next part of the show, which is what's in the news. I told you this is going to be a bloated episode. We'll see how long it takes me to get through the rest of this. 
Okay, Microsoft has announced that the Xbox 360 store is officially going to close on July 29th, 2024. This means that there is a bunch of games that are going to be completely delisted, including Xbox Arcade games, which are only digital-only releases. And actually, someone compiled the list of all those games. There are 200 digital-only games that will be impacted by the Xbox 360 store closure, uh, including Bionic Commando Rearmed, Burnout Crash, Call of Duty Classic, Frogger Hyper Arcade Edition, Ion Assault, Mortal Kombat Arcade, Naughty Bear, Panic in Paradise, NCAA Basketball March Madness Edition, uh, Section 8 Prejudice, uh, South Park, Let's Go Tower Defense, and Tenorman's Revenge, Space Invaders Extreme, Vigilante 8 Arcade, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Millennium Duels are just a handful of the games that are going to be completely delisted um, when the digital storefront for Xbox 360 closed down. Um, I know that some of these games are on the PS3 store, like uh, Bionic Commando and Call of Duty Classic, but if you're an Xbox 360 person, a lot of games are going to be completely taken off of the market. Now, obviously, there is still a strong physical uh, distribution for Xbox 360. You know, the Xbox 360 has so many games, and a lot of those games are very cheap. I do foresee Xbox 360 game prices going up, especially for the more popular ones that people were getting digitally uh, because they were limited releases or something like that, you know. So if you want to check out the Xbox 360 store, it will be open until next year, July 29th. Um, Xbox, I mean, they obviously didn't learn from when PlayStation tried to close down their Vita and PS3 stores. I'm guessing if enough people... Rebel Rousel, Rebel Rousel, you know, whatever, enough. Maybe they'll change their decision, but Microsoft usually just kind of goes with what they want to do. We saw that with the launch of the Xbox One, and we're probably going to see it now where they will not, they probably won't sway from their idea. Um, so this will not affect backwards compatible titles. Backwards compatible titles will remain purchasable in the modern Xbox store if they're already available there. So there's already a couple hundred of those. Um, so that'll be nice. You know, at least we're not losing every game from the 360 era. Uh, so there is some backwards compatible games that will be available. Online multiplayer won't be affected by this. And even cloud saves will remain available. So basically, the 360 marketplace is the only thing shutting down. But online servers and cloud saves will not be affected also microsoft movies and tv app will be closing down at the same time as well in a part of the statement from xbox and microsoft themselves they said a lot of has a lot has changed since the xbox 360 launched in 2005 technology has evolved expectations for players have shifted and we are focused on marketing the xbox series x and s the best place to play now and in the future what has not changed is our commitment to preserving your ability to play the content that you already have purchased on your preferred device which means we are committed to supporting the xbox 360 gameplay for the foreseeable future and you will still be able to play and re-download previously purchased contest content and connect with friends a part of that is probably because the Call of Duty games on the Xbox 360 are still popping off right now after they fixed their servers. Um, but another part of that is like, 
yeah, then just leave the store up, you know, allow people to still make purchases. I don't understand why this is such a big deal. I don't know if it just costs more money than they're willing to spend at this point. I mean, we never really got a clear answer as to why PlayStation wanted to close down the Vita and PS3 stores in the in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, after the after the 360 store closes, I can almost guarantee you that Xbox 360 game discs are going to start start ballooning in price. So if there's a game that you've really been wanting physically or digitally, I would recommend to just bite the bullet and go for it now, especially if it's one of those games that has more of a limited release to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do kind of, I do hope that they reverse this decision. I, I mean, we just went through the whole fiasco of the Wii U and 3DS shops closing down, and you know, so many games are just lost during those closures. I mean, Xbox 360 also has a good amount of games that are just like not available physically, and they're just on the Xbox Store. Same thing with this with Sony's PlayStation 3 and Vita stores. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that they reverse this decision, but you never know. Uh, part of me is kind of understanding, like, okay, I bet they're not making a lot of money from the 360 store and how many people are actually paying for games on there, you know. But then another part of me is like, yeah, we should definitely keep these stores up to preserve these old games and I, I, I know that probably the X, you know, I'm, I'm sure that not as many people have an Xbox 360 anymore. You know, I'm sure a lot of people have upgraded to the Xbox one. I'm sorry, the Xbox series X and S, you know, but, uh, the Xbox 360 was one of the best selling consoles of all time. You know, you would think that the store would be staying open for that for much longer than, you know, 18 years, but what are you going to do? Along with that Xbox news, uh, Xbox has introduced a new strike system for handling bans and suspensions on Xbox Live. Essentially, this is going to help handle the, you know, because right, right now it's just like, oh, you got reported for your name or for something you said, okay, banned or whatever. You know, there's not like a strike system. You're just banned. So in this new stacking, <laughs> stacking version of the strike system. Um, if you have one strike, you'll be banned or suspended for one day. And if you get two strikes, you'll be spent suspended for another day. Sexually inappropriate comments are worth two strikes. Profanity and cheating are worth one strike. Harassment and bullying is worth two strikes. And hate speech is worth three strikes. Okay? So you can, you can get a... Uh, a, a 365 day band with eight strikes and, it, and so it starts off as one then after three strikes it goes to three days four strikes is seven days uh, five strikes is 14 days six days is 21 seven is 60 and eight is 365 days and all strikes will stay recorded for up to six months so let's say you say something bad and someone reports you and the person who handles reports says, oh yeah, what you said is bad, we ban you for one day. That strike will be on your account for six months. So if you go and you cheat on a game and someone reports you for cheating, boom, now you have two strikes. So until that six months is up, if you get you know eight strikes in that time, you'll, you will get the whole year-long ban. I think this is not a terrible thing. I know that there's going to be a way to abuse this. I know that somehow, somewhere, obviously there is an appeal system. So, you know, if if the, uh, you know, if the user who is reported for, 
you know, harassment, you know, they they appeal the ban and the person moderating reviews the category or, or whatever you've been reported for, they can reverse that and take away the strike sooner than six months, which is nice. So there is a system of checks and balances. I don't know how much of it is going to be, you know, AI operated or whatever, but as of right now, it seems like a good system to implement, you know, especially for, you know, hate speech and stuff like that. You know, obviously Call of Duty lobbies are pretty, are still pretty uh, toxic at times. Um, I'm sure that people, like I said, I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of loophole that people are going to, you know, use to get people banned just for being good at games and stuff like that. I, I'm sure it'll happen. Um, but hopefully people don't abuse this and people, you know, think that it's a good thing, you know. Um, currently, after, you know, eight one percent of players have been temporarily suspended, so that's really not too many. Only one third of the received uh, complaints have affected in suspended accounts. Um, players who tip players typically stop inappropriate behavior after one enforcement. They quickly learn what is what is acceptable and what is not based on the Xbox community standards and how to do better to engage on the platform. So I guess the strike system is just designed to give the actual people, the players in the game, the potential, you know, the ability to, you know, strike accounts. I, I'm guessing when you strike someone, like their, I guess their voice chat log or something is saved somewhere, you know, or if if they have, if they send you a message, you can obviously report that. I'm guessing that somewhere on the on the Xbox backend, there's recordings of all your party chats and in-game communications. Which is kind of creepy, but I, I I don't know. I, I guess we'll we'll see what happens there. <laughs> okay, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, the official full gameplay reveal has been shown. And the game, the gameplay reveal, you can watch it on PlayStation, Xbox, etc. The gameplay they showed off was a group of soldiers attacking the gulag from modern from the original Modern Warfare 2 in 2009. So it seems like they have retooled and redone this entire mission. It looks exactly the same. It looks like things are in exactly the same locations or relatively the same locations, but instead of being a full-out bombastic battle, it's a covert operation um, that you are performing to try and, I guess, save a prisoner or something like that. Now, that does lead me to believe how closely related is this game going to be to that Modern Warfare 2 that we know and love from 2009. Um, obviously, Modern Warfare 2 from last year was pretty good. Really, I, I enjoyed that a lot. But it had really nothing to do with the original story of the game other than having Commander Sh uh, General Shepard in there and his betrayal of the task force. Other than that, the game kind of stood on its own. So it seems like Modern Warfare 3, the new one, is going to follow along the second half of that of the original Modern Warfare 2's storyline. So essentially, you're going to the Gulag. They already showed off that there's going to be a no-Russian mission, you know? So it seems like this is going to be more closely related to Modern Warfare 2 than Modern Warfare 2 was to Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, catch my drift. <laughs> they also showed a little bit of Makarov. He looks like a generic man in this one. I, I'm not, like, super jazzed about his look in the game um but uh, i mean you know i think that the campaign looks fine the one thing that people are very excited about is the fact that zombies is going to be added to a modern warfare game 
uh, which is the first ever. Now, it's not the first Infinity Ward zombies experience because Infinite Warfare has zombies, uh, but this is the first zombies experience in the Modern Warfare game. So uh, there's a zombies map that's coming. Players will team up with other squads to survive hordes of the undead. So it sounds like it's going to pretty much be the new Spec Ops uh, stuff or maybe even Warzone almost, except... You know, you just your squads of like four people working together instead of battling against each other. It's a PVE survival experience against large, uh, some of the largest enemies in the series history. It's going to be called the MWZ mode, Modern Warfare Zombies. Also, on top of that, Call of Duty announced that the 16 core maps from the original 2009 Modern Warfare 2 have been modernized and readied for Modern Warfare 3's launch, along with some new maps as well. Now, this does bolster the idea that Modern Warfare 3 is just a huge DLC for Modern Warfare 2. Um, because <laughs> you would think that they would want to put all 16 of the core maps for Modern Warfare, the original Modern Warfare 2 in the Modern Warfare 2 of, to, you know, of today. But instead, they are launching a totally new game with all 16 of those maps plus the new ones. Now, is that going to sell more copies of this game? Hell yeah, it's going to sell more copies of this game. People love those maps. High Rise, Rust, Terminal etc. There's a lot of classic maps in the original Modern Warfare 2, which, you know, gives you a reason to bring them back, right? They're fan favorites. We haven't seen many of them in a very long time. Uh, but, yeah, I just I feel like it's a bit weird that they're bringing back all these maps for Modern Warfare 3, and I think that it's because Modern Warfare 3 is more closely related to the original Modern Warfare 2 than the latest Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Um, also, on top of all that, there will be more modern tech modes, content, and a new game mode called Cutthroat, which is a 3v3v3 affair. So if you want to check out the trailer, head on over to PlayStation's YouTube channel or Activision's YouTube channel. Uh, in the final breakdown for the game, uh, there's going to be a Nemesis Operator Pack that includes Price, Ghost, Warden, and Makarov along with two weapons called the Fate Skins. One's kind of like white with blue, and the other one is red with black, which is kind of the colors that they're showing off for the two character packs. Also, if you get the Season 1 bundle, it'll include the Battle Pass with 1,100 COD points and 50 tier skips. Pre-order the Modern for 3 physical or digital editions to get the Soap Operator Pack. You will be instantly be able to play Soap and his two different skins. And you will also get an early access to the open beta and an early access to the campaign as well. So, I'm not surprised that this is just going to be Modern for 2 Plus, <laughs> essentially. Uh, but the game still looks pretty good. I mean, the gameplay they showed off, it's all in-game cuts you know uh graphics they would have to disclose if it wasn't you know um so it's it's cool that we're seeing all this like actual in-game footage and cinematics um i i, I do find it a little bit hard to kind of like get really excited because we were supposed to not get a call of duty this year and the fact that we are getting this modern warfare 3 kind of tells me that maybe they have moved up this game from or or maybe they were working on dlc for Modern Warfare 2, that was the Modern Warfare 2 20, 2009 map packs and uh, add-on campaign to finish off the story. And they just kind of flushed out into a bigger experience, which is not wholeheartedly a bad thing. But I think the real, the real, the real issue will be 
if this game launches at seventy dollars, I feel like it, it'll. It, I, I feel like they should launch it at like fifty, you know, or something like that, you know, because it does seem to be a bit of an asset flip. It does, but am I interested? Yeah, you know, I, I Call of Duty has gone has gotten into my into my soft spot recently with with actually Modern Warfare Two from last year, so I will probably be picking this up. Uh, I'm hoping that it's not going to be a seventy dollar game though. It doesn't feel like it should be, but it's Activision. They're going to want that money. Okay, uh, Gamescom kicks off next week. I believe on Tuesday it gets started. And uh, Future Game Show is going to be coming back for Gamescom. It's going to be hosted by Troy Baker and Erica Ishii. The showcase is going to feature more than 50 games during its two-hour runtime. It's going to take place on the 23rd of August, starting at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. British Standard Time, and uh, 3 a.m. Japan and Asia time. Uh, So if you want to check that out, the future game show will be on the 23rd of August. 50 games to show off. Now, Jeff Cayley has come out and said, hey, we're not going to be showing a lot of new games. We're just going to be showing more about games that have already been announced, which is fine. I don't mind that at all. I am interested to see, you know, what all gets shown off. I know that they're showing a a more in-depth look at Alan Wake. Um, but, uh, yeah, if just to reiterate, if you want to watch the Gamescom opening night, which is going to show off plenty of games too, that's on Tuesday, the 22nd, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to check that out, uh, it'll be coming around as well. NBA 2K24, which is this current year's NBA game, uh, they have introduced a paid battle pass into the game, which is a franchise first. 2K24 is not shy of putting in greedy microtransactions into their NBA games. Um, but uh, this this is a new career low for the franchise. Essentially, a battle pass will be introduced. There's a free version, a pro version for $10, and a Hall of Fame version for $20. That's for one season. Um, so... The Pro Tier, which is the $10 version, is going to grant 40 premium rewards as well as two bonus My Career and My Team items. The Hall of Fame option will include one additional immediate reward, a 15% XP booster, and a 10-level skip. Obviously, this is pretty much in line with other games and how they do their Battle Pass systems, but I feel like the $10 tier... Like, I remember... I mean, Fall Guys, say what you want about the game. At least that Battle Pass, it's like when it first started out was like the $10 tier gave you like 25 free tiers and the $15 tier gave you like 50 free tiers or whatever. I don't remember exactly, but it seemed like better of a deal than whatever this is. And it seems like a lot of what you get is like in-game stuff, like MT and MC points. I'm not sure what those are, but just doesn't seem like a great idea for this. Um, I'm not exactly familiar with NBA and it's all its different inner workings. Um, even though I really enjoyed 2K23 when it was free on PlayStation Plus, I'm not a huge like 2K NBA or even NHL fan, you know. So I'm not I'm not like super jazzed to hear about a season pass being put into the game, especially because the game is like seventy dollars plus a you know, if you want like the 
legend version you have to pay like a hundred dollars or something like that it just doesn't seem right that a game like this and a sports simulation game is putting in a battle pass and it just doesn't seem right to me i talked about this before but might as well reiterate dc universe online is officially leveling up it's native with with native next gen versions of the game so there's gonna be an xbox series s slash x version and a ps5 version of the game uh, originally released on the PS3 and Xbox 360, this massive MMO game has been around for quite some time. It's it's had to uh, remove the shackles of being a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, it changed studios at one point. But essentially, this native port of the game, which is due out in holiday of 2023 now, uh, it will have performance gains. Uh, it will also have gameplay and quality of life improvements as well so they're going to be working on the native version of the game having like 60 fps you know 4k visuals um they also stated that this initiative is a long-term endeavor that is already underway you will see some improvements over improvements launch over the next few months prior to the release on the new consoles some of them at launch and some of them following over the course of next year um so it's also important to note that the games will be continuing to run on the same servers that they've already been running on. So if you have characters on those old versions all the way back to the PS3 and Xbox 360, they will carry across the console generations. Um, the two new versions will also have a slate of new content planned to keep up, to keep the experience fresh and moving forward. So there you go. DC Online is coming back in full force, in full swing. They recently had its System Shock update, which added a bunch of new stuff as well. So I probably will check this out again when it comes to PS5. Am I going to get deeply immersed in it like I was back in the PS3 days? Probably not, but it will be a fun little nostalgia trip. Speaking of nostalgia trips, all of the... Uh, uh, all of the... All the Bandai Namco PlayStation Plus Premium Classics are now available to download and purchase if you don't have a PlayStation Plus Premium um, uh, tier. Uh, if you don't have that purchased. <laughs> I lost track of my words there. So now uh, Bandai Namco has put them on the store, just like all the other games that are on the service. Uh, you can buy them for about $10 each. I believe they all have trophy support as well. So games like Mr. Driller, Ridge Racer 2, and Ridge Racer Type 4, and Tekken 2 are all available on the regular store now to buy for $10 a piece, which is uh, the same as all the other PS1 and classic games that have come to the service. Uh, so if you want to check out these games without having to pay the extra price of premium, you can now by just taking, you know, just going to the store. I would love to play Ridge Racer Type 4. I love the soundtrack to that game. It was actually the the song from last week. Uh, last week's episode was a Ridge Racer uh, song. So um, that was... I, I love the soundtrack, and I would love to play the game without having to get the PS1 copy, which I believe is a bit pricey on eBay. So there you go. All right. Last week I talked about Bloodborne and the Order 1886 getting 60 FPS patches by modders well now crash team racing has official has unofficially gotten a 60 fps patch as well i'm not going to talk about every single one of these um so if they keep coming out i'm i think i'll stop talking about them after a while but this one seemed pretty big you know this is um crash team racing does run 
Um, I think it has a native PS5 version that's not 60 FPS, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so essentially the same person who modded Bloodborne and The Order 1886 and also Red Dead Redemption 2 has also put out a mod for Crash Team Racing. So you do need to have a jailbroken PS5, which I said it comes with a list of, you know, some some issues if you want to do that. It's all up to you, obviously. Uh, the game does look pretty good with 60 FPS, especially because it's a racing game. It should run at the best frame rate it can. Uh, but yeah, if you want to download that, it is they, they, it is available to uh, get and add to your console if you so desire. Like I said, you have to have a jailbroken game console, so do that at your own risk. Next up, speaking of PS1 games, Wipeout. The original Wipeout game can actually be played in your web browser right now. A fan of Wipeout has essentially ported the game to a browser. Uh, if you go to phoboslab.org slash wipe game, you can actually play the full version or the minimal version of the game, all with general keyboard controls. Uh, seems to be fine. Uh, I have I, I played it a little bit. Seems okay, you know. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's. I mean, it's probably not that difficult to port a PS One game to like a web browser. It's. It's. It is. It is fascinating and very cool. The person behind this port, I guess you could say, is Dominic Sbelswick, who managed to revive the PS One Wipeout through uh, browser extensions or whatever you want to call it, a, brow a browser extension. Um, he documented his porting progress on a lengthy blog post, uh, which can be found at phoboslab.org. Um, so if you want to check that out, there's a whole list of things that he did for that. Um, he also said that Sony has demonstrated a lack of interest in the original Wipeout in the past, so my money is on their continuing absence. If anyone at Sony is reading this, please consider that you have, in my opinion, two equally good options. Either let it be or shut this down and get the real remaster going. Now, there was a Wipeout game on the PS4, I think, but it was like a new iteration of the game. I don't know how, you know, I don't know, I don't know how well it was received, but, you know, it, it is out there. Obviously, the original, uh, the original game is very beloved by a lot of people. You know, it has like that really killer soundtrack. It's got that really fast, you know, kind of like F-Zero kind of racing style. So it's one of those games that, I think people really love, and it's kind of been lost to time at this point, unless you have a PS1 copy of the game. Um, so, yeah, uh, cool. It's it's a cool thing. I think it's a very cool idea. Um, I don't know if Sony will bring the SmackDown on this. I don't know, but as of right now, it's, it's playable. It's available if you want to play it in your browser. Finally, for today in the news, allegedly... Tom Holland and Chris Pratt are lined up to voice Jack and Daxter in the live-action Jack and Daxter movie. This means uh, that, if it is true, Tom Holland will play Jack and Chris Pratt will voice Daxter in the live-action movie directed by Sony Ruben Fleischer, who also directed Venom and Uncharted. Now, nothing has been confirmed at all. And this actually made me throw up in my mouth a little bit at this point because um, a Jack and Dexter movie with Tom Holland and Chris Pratt seemed to be a very miscast interpretation. I mean, unless unless they're going for a baby baby face Jack 
you know Jack won in the pre- in the precursor legacy kind of thing. Uh, Chris Pratt, I mean, whatever. At this point, it's it's just a dead meme. But this, uh, you know, I don't know if if this is true. I just I don't know what to think. Uh, Tom Holland was a bad fit for Nathan Drake, and I feel like having him play Jack. <laughs> would also be a really poor fit. Um, you know, unless they don't, unless they make him a baby face Jack from the first game and don't make him talk, <laughs> I think he'll be a bad fit. I don't know. I just, it's one of those things that's like, you see it and you're like, what? And you kind of like go, huh? But maybe this will prompt Sony to make a new Jack and Daxter game. Probably not. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the last part of the show, which is what's coming soon. All right, we got two games that have moved their release dates. Dates. <laughs> the first one is Assassin's Creed Mirage. On Monday last week, oh excuse me, uh, they pushed forward the game's release date as the game has gone gold. So now Mirage is going to week is going to release a week early instead of being very close to Marvel's Spider-Man. So. The date has been pushed forward to the 5th of October, 2023. It was previously on the 12th of October, so it gives it a little bit more leeway before Marvel Spider-Man and Lords of the Fallen and Alan Wake come out. So October is looking pretty good now. Almost every week we have a new game launching. Uh, most of the games I'm very interested and excited about. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, a Ubisoft game coming out early? That can't be good. I, I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm not that worried about it. But you know, we'll see. Um, I have I have very high hopes for this and pretty high expectations. So hopefully it delivers, and I'm very excited to be playing it a little bit early. Alan Wake 2 has actually gotten a small delay uh, to get it out of the range of Spider-Man as well. If you don't recall, Alan Wake 2 was supposed to launch on the 17th of October, which I believe was the same day as Spider-Man 2. Uh, so what they decided to do is to move the date from October 17th to October 27th. This is kind of like the same scenario that the game had back when it originally released. I believe Red Dead Redemption 1 completely overshadowed the original Alan Wake release. And kind of the same thing here where actually the the physical port of Red Dead for PlayStation and Switch was going to come out around the same time as well, which would have been uh, very, uh, very ironic. Um, but also, obviously, Spider-Man 2 was going to overshadow Alan Wake 2, even, even though Alan Wake 2 definitely has more buzz and more hype around it. It is a good idea to move it away from Spider-Man 2 to give people that buffer to get it the next week. Um, obviously, it's not physical, so... You know, it's a digital game release, Alan Wake 2 is. They have not confirmed a physical release. They've actually even stated that they don't want to do a physical release, even though companies have reached out to them. But, um, yeah, I think this was a good idea for both Assassin's Creed and Alan Wake to kind of move away from Spider-Man, let that one breathe, and then come out the next week or the week before, swinging. Speaking of games coming soon here, we got Starfield. The preload size has been revealed. Uh, the game is going to be about 100 gigabytes on the Xbox Series S and X, and the PC version is 116 gigabytes. Uh, you'll need around 140 gigabytes of space, though, before the download can commence. I'm not sure what that's all for. Uh, if you're waiting on the Steam version, preloads don't begin until the 
August 30th. Uh, but you can actually preload Starfield now on your Xbox or the Xbox app on the PC, I believe, at this point. Steam, though, you got to wait until the 30th. Um, so there you go. It's getting closer. And uh, I should have enough room on my PC to play Starfield. Uh, I might have to take off Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, I guess Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like, wasn't that like a 30 or 24 gigabyte game? So should have enough room for Starfield in that. Uh, but yeah, it's coming around. It's it's exciting. But uh, here we go. Yeah, you can download that now. Um, I'm not. You know what? I'm not going to mention it. There was a bit of a review bomb. Well, I guess not bombing, but you know, review review bombing of the game in a positive way. Uh, there was like a couple of reviews on a website that was just like best game ever, even though I don't have it. You know, I, I just you know I'm just going to ignore that because it's like it's just something to get your blood boiling. It's just not really anything to speak about, write home about. All right, Castle Crashers Remastered is finally getting a physical edition on Switch. Um, I don't know if it's... Is it also coming to PS4 as well? Usually usually they do that kind of stuff with this. Uh, I guess not. Um, so this is thanks to... Ba, 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 ba. This is thanks to... It just says Behemoth, which is developers of the game, so maybe it's just coming straight from Behemoth, I, I guess. I, I thought it was coming from Limited Run, but I guess not. Anyway, uh, the physical edition is going to be made is going to be twenty uh, thirty dollars. Predators are live next month. It'll come with a sticker pack and include a character unlock guide as well. This is also the first time Behemoth has released a physical game since Alien Humanoid HD for the Game Boy Advance in two thousand six. Uh, the physical edition will also will be offered at PAX West with a special show-exclusive bundle. Uh, so essentially the bundle is going to come with a Blacksmith plushie, Castle Crashers lanyard, random character hollow sticker, and a Necromancer postcard, which will all be wrapped up in an adorably-themed donut box. This will cost about $50, so it's a little bit more than the regular version. It'll be sold daily throughout the show. The first 100 boxes sold will have a Castle Crashers Medallion 2. Well, now we got to head to Seattle and get a physical version of this game. That's a lot of stuff for $50. That's a pretty good deal. And it's not going to be available online, at least not right now. Pretty crazy. That's going to shoot up in price. I tell you what. Uh, so if you want to get this physical edition, like I said, pre-orders will start next month. Or you can go to PAX West and try and get one of the 100 or so boxes. NASCAR Arcade Rush is coming to the Switch next month. Uh, this is that NASCAR racing game I talked about a little bit ago, or, uh, yeah, a little bit ago, a few episodes ago. Um, it's coming to every platform, not just Switch. So it's Xbox, Switch, PlayStation, Steam. Um, game Mill Entertainment has announced that NASCAR Arcade Rush is going to come to the Switch and other platforms on the 15th of September. Uh, it's a very, it's kind of like a goofy take on NASCAR. It's not one that you normally see. It's more in line with the Cars video game, in my opinion. Uh, it's, it, it seems like it's going to be a pretty fast and furious kind of experience, except hopefully not as crappy as that latest game that they put out. Um, I mean, it looks kind of fun. You know, it, it reminds me of, I don't know, Mario Kart a little bit, I guess, except it's NASCAR, so it's probably going to be a bit more boring. But if you like fast-paced, or maybe if you have a kid who likes NASCAR, um, yeah, maybe maybe you'll maybe you'll like this. You know, experience real-world NASCAR tracks like Talladega Super Speedway, Daytona Speedway, Darlington, 
Mar- Martinsville, Homestead, Miami, and all and more in all new ways that will thrill your imagination. So it's not just an oval track like Baby Park. Uh, choose from a full array of vehicles spanning 75 years of stark ca- stock car racing history and horsepower. Customize your car and driver to suit your style and with new paint schemes, rims, spoilers, visual effects, suits, helmets, and emotes. Thousands of combinations. Uh, NASCAR Arcade Rush features extent- expansive single-player modes, including the Career NASCAR Cup Series, Quick Race, and Time Attack. Take on your friends in thrilling head-to-head local multiplayer or race rivals around the world in 12-player online. So yeah, it actually seems pretty pretty good. Um, it's only $50, so that's actually a pretty good... I mean, I would say that's a pretty good price for a game like this. So they've definitely done a lot of things that give give the thumbs up, in my opinion. If you want to check that out, the, there's a trailer on Game Mill Entertainment's YouTube channel, and that's coming September 15th. Batman Arkham Trilogy. They finally revealed a release date for the game. Uh, so the trilogy is coming to Switch in, in October, on October 13th. So this package is going to include Arkham Asylum, City, and Arkham Knight. I believe only Arkham Asylum is on the cartridge, though. The, the other two you need to download, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and also, each game will have its respective DLCs as well, as we already know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love this little graphic that they put up on the Nintendo of America Twitter account. It's like a very nicely drawn, like, collage of all three games, you know, from Arkham Asylum with the Joker and Bane and Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn to Arkham City with two-face and professor strange and catwoman and mr freeze and then there's arkham knight with scarecrow and the arkham knight himself and azrael and nightwing and the batmobile um but yeah i I love this little collage i might actually i might actually want to save that to my computer and use it as like a screensaver it's pretty cool um but yeah uh that that's coming the 13th of october for about 60 dollars if you want to check that out as I said last time I talked about it, it's a bit late, but, eh, you know, I'm sure people would be happy to have this finally on Switch. We got some VR games to talk about. Uh, Green Hell is getting a PSVR 2 port, which will offer some next-level terror for survival enthusiasts. Um, essentially, Green Hell is a survival game kind of like far cry 3 where you're kind of dropped in the middle of a forest or whatever and you gotta survive and work your way around the area maybe it's more like the forest honestly but essentially in vr you're gonna actually be chopping and hunting and building things um so yeah i mean if you liked green hell i'm guessing this is gonna be fine you know it's actually available now if you want to check that out and then also a game called Broken Edge was announced for the PSVR 2 as well. Uh, this is like a very interesting looking sword game uh, where it's got like this like very like, I don't know, sun drenched or faded graphical art style, which is really interesting. And essentially your swords and shield kind of form out of thin air, which is kind of cool too. It looks like there's multiplayer modes and maybe a campaign or single player mode as well. Uh, looks pretty good. That's going to be launching on the 19th of September, 2023, if you want to check that out. Um, it's been optimized for PSVR 2, which may, which means it makes full use of its tech adaptive triggers, haptic feedback, etc., etc. Um, I believe this was already on Steam or something like that before, or maybe Oculus Quest. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's coming uh, September 19th, Broken Edge. The DLC for Shredder's Revenge is coming August 31st. 
of course, we already know that there's a new character coming along, a rabbit, uh, who was going to be headlining the show. And also another character has been revealed, Karia, Karia, um, who is a melee, you know, obviously they're all melee-based characters, but she's like a, she almost looks like um, one of the Mortal Kombat ninjas, you know, she has like that V-neck kind of style tunic on, it's purple. And then, uh, you know, I already already mentioned that there's, of course, a ra- the rabbit is coming along, too. Looks like there's going to be a new, uh, obviously there's a whole new campaign mode, um, but it seems like there's going to be, like, a really cool level where you go through comic book panels and stuff like that, which actually looks kind of cool. Um, so Karai is a former Foot Clan soldier, and then um, the samurai rabbit is named Miyamoto Usagi, who was previously revealed, as we already know. So that's dropping August 31st, if you want to check that out. looks pretty cool. Do you remember the Happy Trees Tree Friends? I know I've talked about them before, <laughs> uh, but the Happy Tree Friends are actually getting a video game called... The Crack Pot, the Crack Pet Show, Happy Tree Friends Edition. Um, so the the Crack Pet Show is a roguelite shoot 'em up that I had never heard of before today, um, but it looks like it, it it already included like animals fighting and getting slaughtered essentially. Um, but uh, yeah, essentially they're going to be adding the Happy Tree Friends to the game. Maybe through a DLC or maybe a new edition or version. I can't, I can't really tell. Uh, this is going to launch on September 27th on the PS5, PS4, and other platforms as well. Um, so it, it's, it, it's pretty much exactly what the show was where you take these cute and cuddly little creatures and you essentially duel to the death or you shoot things, lots of blood, everything uh, chaotic and whatever. So, uh, yeah, it seems like a collaboration that was... That, that, was a no-brainer, you know. Um, but uh, I, I don't really know much about this game, so I can't really go in-depth about it, but uh, I think that this is, like, a perfect addition to a game like this with so much brutality for little tiny animals. All right. All three of the Frog Detective games are going to be coming to consoles uh, uh, this year. Um, so if you don't know, the Frog Detective games, there's three episodes that are available on Steam. All of them are their own self-contained games where you play as a frog detective going through a point-and-click adventure to solve mysteries. It's a very fun-looking game. I never got around to playing them, even though I have two of the three. Uh, But yeah, this is coming to Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. But it's also coming to Xbox Game Pass if you want to play it on there as well. Uh, Frog Detective is full of humor, colorful visuals, and detective-based gameplay in which you gather clues and question suspects. Um, I think that this is a pretty, it's a pretty quirky and fun looking game. I just never have gotten around to playing it myself, but if you want the console edition, that'll be available later this year. No, no release date for it just yet. Probably should have talked about this one earlier on. The Walking Dead Destinies. Uh, this is a new Walking Dead game coming around. Seems to be just a visually worse version of the Telltale games. Um, but essentially, uh, it looks like a mobile game that has... I mean, it uses all the you know, actual faces and stuff of the characters in the show, so that's good, I guess. But the game in general doesn't look that great. The animations and lighting and stuff like that makes it look very um, low quality or low budget, I guess you could say. Uh, but essentially what this game does is it allows you to rewrite the timeline of the TV show. You know what this reminds me of? 
it reminds me of that Planet of the Apes final. I think it's called Final Frontiers. There's a, it's it's like a it, that's another choice based game that has very minimal you know, um, uh, like actual gameplay. It's a lot of uh, quick time events and stuff like that. So, uh, what you can actually have happen is you know how Rick goes against Shane in that one episode. You can have Rick win instead, and now Shane takes over the group. Essentially, this game is going to cover the first three seasons of the show. Um, so you get the you know the beginning of the show, which obviously was the best season all around. Um, and then you go into, like, the farm and then the prison. Um, I'm sure that maybe they'll add on more episodes later on. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think it... I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, like, rag on it too hard. You know, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, especially the TV show, looks like this is going to be a perfect game for you to relive some of the moments from the show that, you know, you wish you could change, you know, stuff like that. So that's coming soon to all platforms. We'll see. We'll see more about it in the future. Promenade is a platformer coming to PS5, PS4, Xbox, and Switch. Uh, this is a cute and cozy 2D platformer. Kind of reminds me of Disney Illusion Island. I talked about that a couple episodes ago. It's just it's got more of a like a I don't know like a sticker aesthetic or something like that. You know the the characters and animations are very colorful. It's a platformer game, of course, side-scrolling platformer. Developed by Holy Cap Studio and published by Red Art Games, this pastel-shaded platformer is an, it looks like an adorable uh, adventure, and it's going to be releasing on February 23rd, 2024, so we got a little while to go there. There's a physical and digital edition of the game. You play as a young boy named Nemo, who is accompanied by his little octopus sidekick, and they must travel the world to gather scattered gears for a great elevator. So... If you want to check that out, the trailer is on Red Art Games' YouTube channel. Looks pretty cozy. Looks pretty good. All right. Uh, there was a massive Armored Core 6 update that came out. It was like an hour and a half of information, or maybe even more, maybe like two hours of information. I can't go through everything, but the game looks pretty phenomenal at this point. Um, there's, they showed off a lot and I, I mean, I'm not kidding. If you go to Bandai Namco's YouTube channel, you can see the whole thing if you want to in its entirety. I have not gotten through the whole thing, but oh my gosh, it's literally Armor Core 6 is like the Armor Core series, bit of, a little bit more quicker combat and easier to, uh, you know, change parts on your mech. But oh my God, it is definitely still Armored Core though. And it looks really awesome, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, that uh, that whole thing showed off so much. Like I said, I can't go through everything. I, I literally cannot go through everything without making this podcast another hour long. So if you want to check out that video, it's available on Bandai Namco of America's YouTube channel. Check that out now. Speaking of Bandai Namco, Like a Dragon, um, Gaiden had a new trailer. And if you buy Like a Dragon Gaiden you'll get a trial version of Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Infinite Wealth. Um, so, yeah, the trailer just showed off the, you know... I mean, it's a, it's, I mean if, you're, if you're a fan of Like a Dragon, a.k.a. Yakuza, you know what you're in for. It's a third-person action-adventure game. A very, uh, I don't know, in-depth story with a lot of crazy, kooky elements. You know, the combat's very flowing and crazy as well. 
um, lots of funny side missions and stuff like that. Also, a lot of mini games to take part in as well, uh, from arcade games to dating games with actually FMV characters, which is kind of crazy. Um, uh, you know, stock racing. Actually, it looks like the Sonic fighting game is in there as well. That kind of flashed on the screen for a second. I didn't see that originally. Karaoke is back. And, um, yeah, the FMV trailer from this Japanese girl has huge tits. <laughs> They're just out. <laughs> so if you're horny, that's another game for you, I guess. This comes out November 9th, and you can actually pre-order the game now if you so desire. It looks like it's going to be a pretty crazy and wacky adventure, like usual. Um, so if you want to check that out, um, you can check out the trailer on Bandai Namco's YouTube channel. And, uh, oh, no, this is Sega. I apologize. Not Bandai Namco. It's Sega. You can check this out on Sega's YouTube channel. I apologize about that. Um, yeah, it looks, looks fine. Um, and then uh, Infinite Wealth is actually next year's game, so you can actually get a trial for that game if you pre-order and purchase Lego Dragon Gata. Here are eight PlayStation games that are leaving the PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium tiers. Uh, so we have Chicory, A Colorful Tale, Death End RE Quest 2, Deathloop, Nidhogg 2, Through the Darkest of Times, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands, Watch Dogs 1 and 2. Those are all leaving the service soon on August 31st. Here are four games that are coming to Xbox Game Pass or are already available on Xbox Game Pass. We have Firewatch, available now. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, available now. Sea of Stars, coming August 29th. And Gris, or Grise, which is being re-added on the September 5th. And finally, here are six games that are leaving Xbox Game Pass. We have Black Desert, Commandos 3 HD Remaster, Immortality, Nuclear Throne, Surgeon Simulator 2, and Tinykin. All these games are leaving on August 31st and for all platforms, cloud, console, and PC. Tinykin on this list is the one that I would recommend you try out and play uh, from this whole list. That's the only one I really know about. I heard that Black Desert is... I, I think that's an MMO. I'm not sure. I've heard good things about that. And Surgeon Simulator 2, kind of goofy kind of game. Okay. Well, hey, if you made it all the way through this episode, damn. Damn. Thank you so much. If you want to check out any of uh, my streams, we stream on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We just finished going Commando, so we're going to start a new game on Monday and continue playing God Hand on Tuesday. Um, and let's uh, go ahead and uh, boot up the song for the week. Congratulations to Greedy Waffles, who got the last last week's song correct. Took a bit of hints, but you can request hints on the Discord or even in the YouTube comments if you so desire. It's not off limits, so if you want to get a hint for a song, you want to get that win, I can do that for you. Don't worry. Uh, let's go ahead and listen to what this week's song is. All right, if you know what game that song is from, let me know in the comments below or in the Discord, in the Ferret Nation Discord. If you give me the song name and the game that's from, I will give you a super reaction or a heart in the comments. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fair 64. I do appreciate you. Even if, if you've listened this far, you're a real hero. I tell you what. 
Um, these episodes come out every week, so if you want to check me out, it's every week, every Sunday or Monday. Sometimes I put out these episodes. It just depends on how long it takes to edit them or when I edit them. Uh, if you want to check out the other podcast I do, it's called Film Freaks with a Z. We talk about movies. Um, that's every two weeks. So the latest episode about Looney Tunes back in action is available right now. The next episode is going to be about Holes, uh, which stars Shia LaBeouf. So if you want to check that discussion out, that'll be out next Friday. We are looking for a fourth member to the show. If you want, if you want to uh, talk about movies with us, just send me a DM on Discord or Twitter or whatever. I can give you all the information. Just need someone with a good microphone and a flexible schedule. That's all we're looking for because, unfortunately, Callus has decided to leave the show after episode 100. So we are looking for someone to fill his slot. But we will do a three-person um, season, I guess, if we if we need to. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am Yummy the Ferret, and I'm out of here. I'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.